production of the Big Sky Podcast Network in Montana Bay, brought to you by Hughes River Expedition. This Around the Horn style show features hosts from different Big Sky Podcast Network shows, including Kyler Neal from the Eagles Power Hour affiliate of Eastern Washington University, Dustin Chapman, aka Chappie, from the Weber State affiliate, Weber State Weekly, Mike Nugent from the Grizz Fan Pod, but this season he is repping Eastern Washington and Weber, and we're joined by a real live beat reporter, like a guy who does real work covering sports, Southern Utah beat, beat reporter Chris Kwasinski from the Spectrum News. And I'm your host, Brian Marceau, also from Tubbs at the Club. And we're going to dive right into our week two action first before cover before taking a detour into week three and the men's Big Sky Conference tournament. First question. We had three games this weekend. And I want to start in the heart of the conference. No, not Missoula, not Bozeman. We're going to start in Cedar City. Southern Utah lost once again on a late score. This time a 30-yard field goal by Idaho State kicker Kevin Ryan with five seconds left in the fourth. Chris, you were there, or you were at least paying attention. What's more impressive to you? Idaho State ending an eight-game losing streak dating back to October of 2019 on that 30-yard field goal, or Southern Utah finding another way to lose to one of the lowest-ranked teams in the conference? You know, it's an interesting point because uh, I'm going to go with Idaho State winning, uh, mainly because they haven't been in that position winning a game in, like you said, since 2019, but let alone uh, in, in a clutch situation like that to kick a field goal to win uh, with the wind. Uh, I'm going to go with Idaho State just because you don't, you know, a win's a win. You got to learn how to win, and they learn how to win. Chappie, as a Weber State guy, I know you pay a ton of attention to Idaho State and Southern Utah at all times. What about you? You more impressed with Idaho State or Southern Utah falling apart? <laughs> so I, I said this a couple weeks ago when when Weber beat ISU. ISU is a decent team. This is not cellar dweller ISU, at least from what I saw when we played them a couple weeks ago. Um, especially their D line up front, they're good, and the QB, he you know he looked rusty, but he, but he looked good. He had the tools to be good. So I, I think it says more about how much more improved ISU is. Than, than anything else, but I mean, I don't necessarily want to say anything particularly good or complimentary about the uh, Trader Birds either, so it's fine. We'll go with that. Kyler, Chappie talked about something that is just going to be a story this entire season about the number of new quarterbacks we see, and we've seen strong starts from both Tyler Vanderwall at Idaho State, who's got six touchdowns and two interceptions in two games and Southern Utah redshirt sophomore quarterback, Justin Miller, who's got seven touchdowns, one interception through two games. Kyler, who do you consider to have the better shot to upset someone's spring or fall playoff hopes, Idaho state or Southern Utah? Um, I mean, this one's really tough because honestly they're, they're upsetting themselves. I don't think any of these teams are going to upset anyone for an actual playoff spot. I just don't think they're good enough. But overall, I mean, you have to agree a little bit with what Chappie said. It looks like between the two, Idaho State might be the more impressive team over Idaho State versus Southern Utah. For all, I don't think any of these have any chance in hell to upset or send any team, playoff caliber team home. Now I'm going to eat crow next week. <laughs> all right, Mike, tell us what Kyler missed. No, I'm, I think I'm with Kyler. I mean, I, I like Southern Utah's QB, um, the little bit I've watched the two games. So, I mean, 
you get that right. But but Idaho State's also for you know as not great as they've been, they've shown some flashes of good offense. So I mean, either one of them in theory could win a game. But I just this conference for the spring is the haves and the have-nots, in my opinion. Speaking of maybe a team that might fall in between the cracks of haves and have-nots, Mike. After coming away with the best win of week one against Eastern Washington, Idaho looked like a different team in its 27-17 loss in Moscow to UC Davis. So, Kyler, what should fans make of these Vandals that first came from behind to beat Eastern Washington in week one, but then gave away a 10-point lead in the second half against UC Davis in week two? Yeah, I think, you know, as an Idaho fan myself – um, well, basically, I think that fans, what they're going to take away is nothing's changed over the last few years, few years. Idaho's getting up for teams that they truly care about. Eastern Washington is a rival. If you if you hear all of the players on their interviews, they talk about Eastern Washington. They want to be Eastern Washington. And then they go and they do what they've been doing every other year since they've been in the big sky. They, they have a letdown game. And UC Davis may be more talented than we gave them credit for. But Overall, this just looks like the exact same Idaho team where they are talented. They have pieces to beat teams offensively. I don't think they're great, but they're getting up for the teams that they actually truly care about. And then, you know, they're they're the teams that they don't truly care about. They're not getting up for and and they lack that energy, especially in the closing minutes. Mike. Yeah. In, in Grizz Nation, we, we call this, um, this affliction, the uh, Bobcat syndrome, um, basically, yeah, Kyler knows cause Kyler's got his Grizz hat out there. He, he is a, a closet Grizz fan if I've ever met one and I'm going to get him there. Um, Idaho, similar to the cats several years against Montana, that was their, you know, build up that they, they build up for Eastern Washington. For some reason they, they built up for him last year and pulled off the win. You know, some teams just match up and do that. I think Eastern's going to return the favor last game of the season, and I don't think Idaho is that good. I think everybody who was kind of drinking the Kool-Aid on them making the playoffs, I, I just don't buy it. You know, you got to prove it. Nothing's been proven by Idaho. So I know what Mike's answer to this question would be, which is why I'm going to throw it to Chappie next. The Vandals sit at one and one after playing the toughest week one and two schedule in the conferences. And they've played no cellar dwellers so far, just Eastern and UC Davis. Both those teams look solid. Considering how bad Idaho handled its transition back to the big sky in 2018, 2019, sitting one and one after that opening schedule is, is, is an okay place to be. Does it look to you, Chappie, like the Vandals have turned some sort of corner and might find smoother sailing when Idaho next takes the field against Southern Utah in a couple weeks and then ISU the week after? Absolutely. Yeah, because of one, because of the schedule that they're playing, right? They they definitely are better, but two is as my eyes, the, the, the hardcore Idaho fans on this panel will, will know they, they have a quarterback. Mason Petrino is not the quarterback anymore. And that means that you should be winning games. Okay. I, I actually didn't, I, I don't want to say I disagree with Mike, but I, I don't know. I, I thought Idaho looked good. They were good for three quarters. They just, they got out schemed. They lost the momentum and they couldn't, there was no turning back. Right. They Davis clicked at the right time, figured things out at the right time. And, there was nothing else really that, that they didn't have enough time to make any corrections, but you know, Idaho winning three quarters. I know it doesn't count in the final score, but it's certainly better than what the Vandys have you know had for the past few years. So three quarters is good, right? Chris is our Southern Utah expert. Same question to you. 
is Idaho going to turn a corner against Southern Utah and Idaho State that maybe we're not seeing yet? I think it's a good opportunity. Uh, when you play a Southern Utah team, I've noticed that that team takes a while to get into rhythm. Like once they're in rhythm, they play fine. You know, when they're not in rhythm, obviously they look like a bottom dweller. But, but Idaho has an opportunity to get in rhythm against that kind of team and stay in rhythm. Uh, like you like you mentioned, like a new quarterback, which means that the coaching staff has to steam, scheme for a new quarterback. Uh, when you look at Idaho, uh, kind of the same thing I mentioned with Idaho State just earlier. I mean, there's so much just uh, you know, dismal outcomes, dismal play from the past couple of years. And you got to start somewhere. And it looks like they started somewhere the last couple of weeks here in the spring season. As a Vandal, I'll take starting somewhere. Better, better than we had last couple of years. We'll say wild stat. Hunter Rodriguez of UC Davis averages 9.6 yards per attempt against Idaho last week after we held Eric Verrier to 5.7 yards per attempt in week one, which is why we're going to talk about another theme that we've kind of seen continuing on this season. Out in Cheney, Eastern Washington recovered from a rough opening week against my Vandals with a 45-13 home win over Northern Arizona. But Losing to a solid team, and Idaho's a solid team, then killing a bad team should sound similar to anyone who paid attention to Eastern Washington in 2019. What are you putting more stock in? Eastern Washington's opening loss to Idaho or last week's destruction of NAU, Mike? Oh, man. So I am, you know, I, I see my adopted fan brothers up there with Weber and Eastern. Um, so as much as I want Eastern to make a playoff run in my one and only fan year, I worry a little bit that what is going on at Eastern right now with the coach might be similar to the Mick affliction that we've had at UM over the years where um, coaches beat teams that they were supposed to beat and lost to the good ones. And, you know, didn't ever really take that step, you know, and, and I think that's something that can happen to programs that have been good for a sustained period of time, which Eastern is the team of the last decade in this conference. So I hope I'm wrong about that because I want to go to a playoff game in Eastern and uh, they're going to get me tickets. Um, so we're, we're rooting for it, but I worry about that a little bit. Kyler, tell Mike why he's wrong. Um, I would love to tell Mike why he's wrong, but he's probably the top two Eastern biggest fan on the nation. So he actually knows his stuff. He's actually right. Um, here's a deal. I don't, I'm not going to take too much stock into either game. Uh, right now, Idaho has a, a very talented roster, just like Eastern Washington. Then when you play NAU, which I don't think they match up well with one of the top tier talented teams, Eastern Washington is more athletic. They are more, they're faster. When we match up with those bottom tier teams, we tend to expose them because they don't match up one-on-one. Eastern Washington right now has a weak mentality. Um, and, you know, I say that and it may sound harsh, but we're, we're, we're having a weak mentality to where we're collapsing in second halves versus teams that match up well with us talent-wise. So right now, I don't know what to expect. Either we're going to fix our mentality, we're going to fix our mental health, and we're going to you know start cruising, or we're going to have this type of a breakdown when we you know face another top team. Chris, we all know Weber State is in a league of their own right now, but how would you sort the second tier of the Big Sky right now of Idaho, Eastern Washington, and UC Davis, where Idaho beat Eastern, but UC Davis beat Idaho, Eastern hasn't played the other two, but they certainly had a convincing win last week. Uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to cop out of this question, but I, I want to go back to something that Kyler mentioned, which, which was, you just don't know. And I, and I, 
And just by talking to coaches, uh, just kind of understanding where coaching staffs are at right now in the spring, the first couple of weeks are kind of a feeling out process. You know, you haven't played a game in over a year. You've got players that you you didn't think you were going to have and you don't have players that you thought you were going to have. And that's why when I look at the, the mid tier of teams right now, I think we need another week to finally sort out, be like, okay, like you can be third, you can be fourth or vice versa. And that kind of, in that kind of standing. Well, that was a very reasoned answer. We're definitely calling that passing the buck. So can I have a follow-up of, we'll actually open this up to the rest of the panel in a second, but Chappie, how do you sort the second tier of the conference? There's no pushes. You can't push. Um, <laughs> I'll just state mine up front before I start to ramble, but I think it's Eastern Washington, then Davis, and then um, Idaho. Okay. But Chris is right. This season's really hard. Like we have, generally we have preseason to sift out who is really good and actually good and who is fake good, right? I mean, North Dakota, where did they start? Was it 19, I think? You know, and they, they're up to three and they should be. They're good. Right. But um, the fact is, I think because of the way the season is, where we don't have a preseason and we have so few looks at people, you know, the, the top 25 rankings are going to resemble like the skittish stock market that we've had, you know, the past few weeks where everybody's overreacting to the good days and and also overreacting to the bad days. So I don't I don't necessarily know that we know where teams are at yet, but I do think Eastern Washington, I, I think they're a good team. You know, they're good. I think Davis looked really good the other day. I'm we're going to know a lot more about Davis this weekend when they play Weber. If you know that's going to be their sifting process, um, and and I, I I do think Idaho looked pretty good too. Then Kyler, real quick, how do you sort those three? Yeah, I mean, if you are just doing off of a resume, of course it's going to be UC Davis, Idaho, Eastern Washington. But if you're looking at actual talent level and potential moving forward. I do think Eastern Washington, they look like a different team when they actually had their receivers in the game. Um, they had a lot of drop balls. You mentioned that multiple times on all your tubs at the club podcast. Eastern Washington looks like a different game when they actually have all the pieces moving forward. Potential wise, I think Eastern Washington is better than UC Davis and Idaho, but we'll have to see if they fix that mentality and that mental toughness to actually live up to their potential. But I guess the wild card for Davis is coaching, right? I mean, Davis has a good coach. He, he, so does Polly. They have really good coaches. And like Brian said, maybe it's better than Eastern's coach. Who knows? And Father Mike, close us out. You get the final adjudication. You know, I think I think Davis is the most intriguing to me right now just because I, I know the least about him. And I kind of agree with Chappie. It's like Hawkins is a good coach. Uh, you know, we're lucky to have him at this level in the conference most likely. So I, I'm most intrigued by them, but I think that – you know, from a talent level, I I would never bet against Eastern in, in a short season like this. So before we get to the team drill down, I got to give points for sure to, I feel like Chappie said some nice things about my Vandals. So definitely points there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give, actually, I liked Mike's take to close out the rank, the, uh, you know, the how we sort out that middle tier. And Chris, I don't mean to pile this on. I think you're the first guy to ever have negative points for that push. Man, so, way to treat our guests like this. Jeez. We'll Put a uh, media member on, and we will <laughs> never have one on again. Man. We'll, we'll, we'll have a sliding scale for the next one, I promise. Make it up for you. I deserve yeah, that. He looks like a fast learner. And then our, our team drill down, we really just spend time going over each team that everyone's an expert in. And 
we're going to start. Chris, you got your redemption time right now. Southern Utah will be the first opponent uh, for Cal Poly under new head coach Bo Baldwin. We don't know anything about Cal Poly, but we do know the Thunderbirds need to start turning those narrow losses into a few wins. How do they do that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I've got to stop the show there. This is Chris Hammond from the Tubs at the Club podcast. And Brian was so busy being rude to our wonderful guest, Chris, from the Spectrum. He forgot to thank our wonderful sponsors at Hughes River. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States, located here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. And you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perside or Pierside Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs and taking the history all along the river's edge oh and did we mention you can fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country you just bring your clothes and let hra handle the rest hughes river expedition has been vandal owned and operated since 1976 is ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime what are you waiting for find out what it's like to grab a paddle catch dinner and ride the bull all throughout the gem state and montana Call them now at 800-262-1882 or HughesRiver.com. Again, that's 800-262-1882 or HughesRiver.com. Now, let's see how Chris responds to how Southern Utah can get past Cal Poly. They they just got to get into rhythm. I saw this the last couple weeks, and you saw it against Northern Arizona. The first half offensively, Justin Miller was clicking. Uh, He... I think he ended the game with like five, six touchdowns in that game. And because he, when he gets in his rhythm, he's, he's fine. He completes his passes. You check the stats now, he's got 70% uh, completion percentage. And uh, same goes to the defense against NAU in that first half. Uh, they only allowed, what was it, like two, two points, maybe even. There's that, that safety. Uh, technically, it was a special teams thing. But um, once they got into rhythm against Idaho State, they, they kind of stifled Vanderwall. They got to him with a pass rush and, and all that. But, uh, they just need to get in that rhythm fast uh, in the first quarter. Uh, even uh, it's it's going to be a challenge against a team that nobody knows anything about. When I asked about that uh, after the Idaho State loss, Coach Warren was like, "I I got nothing. We got nothing. You've got nothing. Nobody had in the big side has anything about Cal Poly." And I think that's going to be a big challenge for them. But I think they can do it just because you look at Justin Miller's stats. Uh, that's a guy that stepped into this quarterback position and has taken it and ran with it. Has looked really good the last couple weeks. Uh, but defensively, that's the big question for me. And just follow up real quick, Chris. Uh, when you say people know nothing about Cal Poly, just clarify real quick. You don't mean people don't know very much. Do you mean at the literal level, no one who is affiliated with Big Sky Sports feels like they know anything about Cal Poly? Well, I don't want to speak for everybody, obviously. But like, I, just speaking for myself, speaking from SU's point of view, I mean, there's – there's really not much out there to understand. There's no film. There's no, you know, there's, there's, a couple, there's a couple Twitter videos that you can watch, sure, but what are you going to learn from that? You heard it here first, guys. And Chappie, Weber State had last week off, but will host UC Davis in what is the no-brainer game of the week. After seeing what the Aggies did in Moscow, are you concerned that UC Davis could hand Weber a loss this week and turn the picture for the Big Skies playoff auto bid a little bit on its head where just about everyone's pretty much assumed Weber's going to walk away without auto bid. You have to be 
because of what's happened in the season so far, right? There's been, you know, when North Dakota State loses, everybody's going to start paying attention, you know, but it's been more than that. Most of the top teams have have either not looked good or have lost, JMU included in that, to where they're having to switch quarterbacks. Um, I mean, I want us to win the game. And in 2019, we, we, we ran the gauntlet schedule we had and played, you know, like a dozen ranked teams and won every one except one in Missoula that – we, we had payback on later. Um, so I'm confident. <laughs> I'm confident, but quite frankly, Weber state being considered a, a quote unquote juggernaut is, is still a new feeling. Right. So I'm, I'm honestly less confident than I should be. Right. And I hate saying this with our converted fan in the room, Mike Nugent. And in here in Utah, we, we tend to take the convert thing pretty heavily. So it should be something that I, I don't say, but I'm going to say it. But mostly, I just I trust Jay Hill, right? Jay Hill, the only thing people brought up from the ISU game was that the defense didn't look great. They probably didn't. But Jay Hill is the defensive coordinator in addition to the head coach. He, I trust that he will out-scheme and out-execute most coaches in, in FCS, right? And if, if we're out-scheming and out-coaching and we also have a lot of talent, the defense will be good, right? And beyond that, we feel like we have a loaded wide receiver core, there were two of those wide receivers that were out last game. Um, one hopefully should be back this week, and one they're waiting on on a waiver for. So a loaded wide receiver core could get even more loaded this week or next. I wonder what it would be like to live in a world where in week one you hold the opposing team's quarterback to 40% completion, and that's a disappointing outing. I don't think as a Vandal I'm ever going to live there. But Kyler, with a one-and-one start, Eastern – essentially has to win not to have a shot at the FCS playoffs. Knowing that the Eagles have played and won a ton of meaningful games over the last decade plus, are you thinking, like, are you comfortable with the fact that Eastern's going to have to win out? Or are, are you thinking that maybe fringe playoff status, which is where Eastern was last year as well, is really just kind of the plateau of where the program's stuck at right now? Um... I don't think so. I don't think they're stuck. Now, since I've been at Eastern Washington since 2007, we've never had two down years in a row. And even some of the years we made it to the semifinals and were bullying teams, we had bad losses, like to NAU in 2014. NAU beat Eastern Washington. They beat Vernon Adams in 2014. And we still made a run to the semifinals and embarrassed everyone else. Every program is going to have a few losses on their record but until we have multiple losses in a row or multiple seasons of below 500 or something crazy right now eastern washington is still one of the top tier recruiting schools in the big sky i I think we're going to continue to be at that level once we have a few down seasons in a row then my hopes and dreams will start slowly fading because we don't have the facilities to compete with the rest of the schools and that's what's really going to hurt the recruiting but right now i don't think the program's stuck i think there's some things we need to fix um but until i see it two, three seasons in a row. Um, I still think Eastern Washington is one of the teams to beat. The good thing about the big sky is right now, the big sky is better overall than it was throughout the whole 2010s. Um, the big sky, it's going to be tougher to win. You're going to have a lot of good teams that are best case scenario on multiple years are going to be fringe playoff teams just because of how competitive the big sky is becoming. Mike, you are not an adopted Idaho fan, but we hoped you'd be. So here's an Idaho question for you. Idaho had their game this week for NAU canceled due to coronavirus issues, but they played two of the more intriguing games this season. 
at one and one is Idaho underperforming, overperforming, or sitting exactly where they should be? I mean, I, I think you have to say they're overperforming. And I want to circle back to something Chappie was saying, because I am a fan that's so superstitious on like the few times I've ever gone into a sporting event thinking my team was going to win. We lost. So you always want to be believing you're not quite there. You know, you want more of it. So I, I guess that's what you recruited to your fan base. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> Idaho, I, I, at one and one, I think Idaho is overachieving. I think that, that Idaho going one and one, saved the possibility that they could make the playoffs. I don't think they will. I think they will stumble at some point, but I mean, if they'd started Owen two, it wasn't going to happen. And that very well could have. So, I mean, for them to be one-on-one right now with a win over Eastern, I, I think you got to take that. Now, as far as points, definitely got to give Chris some points there for not only giving a good Southern Utah answer, but him giving us some Cal Poly intelligence, which is kind of what we all do anyway. And I'm also going to go with Kyler. So surprisingly, we're close to knotted as we jump into Fantasy Builder, which listeners are familiar with. Real quick, four-round fantasy draft, one quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver, and a flex. Flex is a running back, wide receiver, a tight end. You do not get to quintuple up on quarterbacks, Mike Nugent, just in case you were curious. So with, And also, just so we don't run into this problem, Idaho and Northern Arizona are both out this week. So we're picking out of six teams and first pick quarterback. Chris, you're the guest. You're the real journalist. What quarterback are you going to draft? Uh, I'm going with Eric Berrier uh, out of Eastern Washington. I, I I can't deny the talent. I can't deny the opportunity that he has against uh, Idaho State this week. Uh, Justin Miller looked great. Eric Berrier has been a great in this league. He's going to put up numbers. Yeah, I think that was everyone's first pick. Mike, you're number two. My first pick was Bronson. I am here for it. He is going to be a four-year legend in the Big Sky, and I am on the I am on the you know foundation level of his fandom. Um, playing UC Davis, they're going to score some points, so so Weber's going to have to put it up there. He's the pick this week. Kyler. Yeah, I'm going to go with my boy from UC Davis. We're going to go Hunter Rodriguez because you know what? They are playing the um, Southern Utah. So it's going to be a, a high-scoring game, I assume, from both sides. And Chappie, close this out. You have the entire cellar to pick from right now. <laughs> <laughs> because we know nothing about Polly, because it's their first game, uh, I'm going to go with Justin Miller from SUU. Funny, only Idaho State quarterbacks left out in the cold because you're right, there was no one else to even think about drafting. Running backs next, Kyler, you're first. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with the best running back in the big sky, potentially the FCS. We're going with Davis. Happy, sorry, always a bridesmaid, I guess. You're number two. <laughs> Not gonna be able to pick any of my own guys. I'm going, I'm, I'm going with an all team name running back, and I'm going Malachi Rango from Idaho State. Are you sure? Last I heard, Rango oh, was out. Oh, crap. Well, I can't do that then. <laughs> Would you like us to pretend you were penalized so you can do some research while we go to the next? Yes. Next penalized, penalized move me to the end of the round. Okay. Mike, you are the uh, new number two. Um, I am taking UC Davis, uh, uh, Gilliam Jr. Ulonzo Gilliam, fresh off 145 yards against Idaho. Pretty, pretty mm-hmm. strong pick. Chris, you're next. I'm actually going to go with Thomas Duggett from SUU. 
Uh, he's got a lot of PPR value in there. Uh, also, he's he's going to get going. I have a feeling he's been looking for a chance to get off the ground. And against Cal Poly, I think he gets off the ground. All right, Shappy, you are uh, you're out of pun- you are out of your uh, punishment. Take, give us your running back. I'm going to be a homer. Pick Dante McMillan from Weber State. He's really good. <laughs> he had a good game last week against Idaho State. Uh, if we run the ball more, he's going to get some carries. The Weber State has said throughout the entire preseason that they want to play for spring and fall, so they're going to spread the carries around as much as they can. To undo Chappie's punishment and to let him have a chance at drafting a Wildcat, I'm going to throw off the uh, order of the next round. Chappie, you got the first wide receiver. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to go with Rashid Shahid. Going for the uh, receiver and kick returner points there. Heck yes, I am. <laughs> second, second pick, Mike. Uh, Jones, Lemu, Eastern Washington. Tyler might not mind Lemu Jones being taken first because this point, this draft does not award you for drops. Uh, Chris, you're next. I'm picking Xavier Gilroy, Idaho State. Uh, I really liked how he looked last Saturday. Caught everything. No bad drops. Look good. And Kyler closes out. Yeah, I need to go with one of my own guys, and I'm going to go with our wide receiver number one, the guy who was actually a stud and just did not play week one, Andrew Boston. Eight catches, 120 yards last week. Not a bad way to start. In our final round, we have a flex. Chappie, you're set to be first, but you're not going to be first this time. Uh, Chris, you, you're the first pick again. I'll go with Landon Meeson with, uh, from SVU. It's a guy that uh, had got a lot of receptions against NAU, uh, also scored touchdowns in two straight games. So I'm going for that, that bonus right there. Kyler. Yeah, I'm going to go another Eastern Homer pick with Tameric Pierce, you know, running back from Eastern Washington. He is, you know, forming his own. We've had a lot of said running backs the last few years, and Tameric Pierce might be that next best guy. Chappie. I'm going to go with a Homer pick as well and go with uh, Ty McPherson, who is Weber's other wide receiver. He was lights out. He is, they've talked about how good he, how much improvement he has made in the offseason. He's going to be good this year. And Mike, last pick. Is uh, um, Connor from ISU still on the board? Tanner Connor? Tanner Connor absolutely is on the board. We'll take him. And that's our draft, guys. We are going to, you know, just because it's the basketball tournament right now, I am going to be a little more egalitarian than I should, and I'm going to keep everyone in for the final round for the basketball questions. Uh, But first, quick shout-out to the sponsors of various Big Sky Podcast Network shows. We got the Montana Mint Store sponsoring the Montana Mint, WildcatRack.com sponsoring Weber State Weekly, Montucky Cold Snacks helping us out of tubs at the club, and Jeremiah Johnson Brewing Company, Help supporting R&R CatCast. And now the showdown. Quick answers, though, because we have everyone in here. This is basketball theme because we have the Big Sky Commerce Tournament taking place. Women, as we speak, men start tomorrow. First question. Men's, bas- men's basketball first team included NAU's Cam Shelton, Eastern Washington's Kim Aiken Jr., and league MVP Tanner Groves, Weber State's Isaiah Brown, and regular season, season champion SUU's Tevian Jones. Did the Big Sky get their first team picks and league MVP right, Chappie? They did. Yeah, they did. Uh, it's hard to say. I obviously think Isaiah Brown is 
the class of the league, but I can't get mad at them giving it to Eastern Washington, the Eastern Washington kid because they're good and they didn't play each other. So we never got to see them on the court at the same time. Kyler. Yeah, I, I think uh, they definitely got it all correct. Um, the only thing I would possibly add is, you know, Ethan from Sac State, he actually had an opportunity. He took way less shots. He was, he was a better scorer than pretty much everyone outside of maybe Cameron Shelton. Um, I think maybe he should have at least deserved to be in the first team. But overall, I mean, I think I think they, they made really good picks, and I, I can't really fault any of the picks. Yeah, Ethan Esposito from Sac State, just under 19 points and eight rebounds per game. Mike, did the conference get it right? No, uh, Mike Stedman should have been the for Big Sky MVP. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> yeah, they absolutely did. I mean, like, I think you can quibble, and I think that in football, the Big Sky Conference usually gets these – wrong but i actually think they did pretty well this year i was so ready to cut loose anyone who said yes but everyone said yes and i uh can't have a show by myself so no points second question suu finished as the league's one seed with eastern washington at two and weber state at three which of the league's realistically interchangeable top three is most likely to see an early exit in boise mike they're not interchangeable Eastern and Weber are better than Southern Utah. Southern Utah barely beat a terrible Montana team twice at home, and they got lucky to do it. I'm sorry, but Southern Utah is not in the same conversation as Eastern and Weber. Chris, shots fired at your Thunderbirds. I mean, they're not my Thunderbirds, uh, uh, but uh, but in but. In that same vein, uh, I mean, we've seen uh, Idaho State beat Eastern Washington. I mean, we've uh, we've seen uh, Weber State on the ropes too. It, it, you, the Big Sky is a Big Sky because anyone can lose, anyone can win. It's the thing that I've noticed this past year, especially with so much going on with COVID and that kind of stuff. Uh, I think that that Montana series, I think, was a little bit in SUU's heads just because they haven't beaten Montana in a while. They hadn't swept Montana. I mean, when you when you consider those two things, I feel like uh, once getting once they got over that hump, they realized how good they could be, and you saw that when they beat Eastern Washington on the road by putting up ninety plus points. I think, I think it's, I think Eastern Washington is a team that might have an early exit just because we haven't seen that much of them. I mean, they've only what only twenty games. It, it you have to consider what that what all the COVID cancellations might do to a team. Kyler. Yeah, you know what, Chris and Mike both brought up excellent points, and they're all right. Um, you know, I'd love to pick on Weber, but I do think Weber is not going to have any type of early exit. I think they're a very talented roster. If I had to pick between Southern Utah and Eastern Washington, I think Eastern Washington just has more firepower. Now, Eastern Washington is one of those teams, if they are not capitalizing on their shots, they can 100% have an early exit. But what's the more important question that you didn't ask, Brian, is just can we all just – hate the big sky conference tournament that the one and two seeds have to play in, you know, week game two. Let's, let's adopt the WCC. So sorry. I took that over Brian, but I think if I had to pick Southern Utah would be most likely, but it is pretty even with all three of them. I do kind of agree with Chris on that. This is devastating. Cause I was going to say Mike wins anyway. So that could be his rant at the end. Chappie closes out. This is a tough one because there's, there's two things here. Uh, SUU. I do think they're, they're kind of playing in the, we haven't been there before type mentality, right? They haven't been in the NCAA tournament since 2001. I don't want to take anything away from their coaching staff. The players just haven't been there. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Eastern Washington and, and I'm, here's my reasoning. 
uh, Weber State tends in all of the series they've had this year, when Weber State and Eastern Washington inevitably inevitably meet in the semis, Weber State has crushed teams in that first game of the two game series. They have come out, they blitzed Southern Utah. Uh, the only, they did lose to Montana the first game, but they blitzed pretty much everybody. Northern Arizona, they they were always really good the first time they were playing somebody. And then the second game, generally they were coaching adjustments, whatever, and it was closer. So I'm saying Eastern Washington, just based off of the strength that um, I think Weber is really good in that first game. But the caveat is Weber is a, is 100% live and die by the three in these situations. If they are not hitting threes, they'll probably lose. We're going to give points here to really Kyler for bringing up what I think we needed to bring up. I really want to spend 12 minutes talking about that live by three, die by the th die by the three thing, but we obviously can't. Last question, guys. Just give me a quick pick. Who's going to make the final and who's going to win it? Chappie. Great, great, great. I'm going my team, of course. So who are they going to play in the final? It's going to be Southern Utah, and they're going to win because it's it's going to be a neutral court. It's not going to be a home game for Southern Utah. Chappie goes to the Weaver. Mike. It's going to be uh, Southern Utah at Montana, and uh, I think Montana will win the third game. It's all coming together, guys. It's all coming together. The Grizz is going to beat Idaho? That's the tough one. they got to get past Idaho. We'll see. All right, Chris. Uh, yeah, I, I got to go with Chappie. I think it's going to be uh, Weber State, SUU. Um, God, that's such a tough, that's such a toss up, especially in a neutral court. Um, uh, if the first game was any indication, um, which is, I, I'm going to throw that game completely out because of the second game, it seemed like that was more neutral. So, but at the end of the day, I think I'd go with Weber State. They're much more put together. Kyler, everyone's hitting on Eastern. Who's in the final? Who wins? Well, I mean, all of these panelists are great and all, but they have a very short-term memory on who has actually been in the conference championship game the last two of three years. I don't know. Maybe it rhymes with Eastern Washington. It totally does. So does Montana. I know you are there yeah, as well. Defending Mike. conference. Yeah, but no one's talking about Montana. Um, so I, I do think, you know, Eastern Washington, they also have the most experienced team that brought was brought back. Anyway, we have been there. We probably have the best coach in the big sky right now. Who's probably going to leave in a few years. I think Eastern Washington has a better chance than any of these guys are giving them credit for, but I'll say Southern Utah, Eastern Washington. And I just don't think Southern Utah wins that game either. So a bias pick, but it's due to recent history as well. Honestly, I'm going to say Kyler wins the whole thing just because he started the WCC rant. But Kyler, you better finish that up with your next 30 seconds. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the win. You know, it's been a long time coming, but it was it was just it was going to happen. Let's be honest. Uh, no, I'm joking, you guys. Um, but yeah, this this whole Big Sky tournament is just such a bullcrap tournament in terms of cool. I love that it's at a neutral site. That is awesome. But if you have it at a neutral site, Here's what you need to do. Look at to the other conference on the West Coast, the WCC. They do it right. Gonzaga doesn't have to play till the semifinals because they are a top seed. You have the low-tier teams playing in. And if that low-tier team like Idaho goes on a run, guess what? We are going to have a Big Sky champion who's going to the playoffs who has four total wins or some stupid number like that because they have the same opportunity as everyone else pretty much. They play one more game where in the WCC, that Idaho team would have to win five games in a row where the other teams only really have to have, you know, maybe the top teams only play two games total. It's just, it doesn't make sense. If you are going to have some type of, you know, um, 
neutral court, you at least need to give some advantages to the teams who have played well all season. Right now, there's no true advantages, and it's just it's bull crap. I don't know if Chappie's got stuff to say, but he'll just have to win a different different round of Big Sky Big Takes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure to check out all the great shows on the Big Sky Podcast Network, like Weber State Weekly, Grizz Fan, Eastern Washington Power Hour, Tubbs the Club, RR Catcast, or whenever it returns, Montana Mint. Make sure to follow Chris. Tell everyone how to find you on Twitter real quick, Chris. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at OchoK underscore. I'm out there. I tweet puns and bad takes. And he's the only one talking about Southern Utah. Anyway, I'm Brian Marceau. Thanks, everyone, for downloading, and we'll see you next time.